Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run and actually drive with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best are. Let's check out the buzz on the street today. I have a note here on knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. It's a really long URL. And let me tell you what they are quoting. They say, Wharton management professor John Paul McDuffie, he spells his name M-C-D-U-F-F-I-E, believes the auto industry is dealing with a broader range of issues than he has encountered in the many years he has studied the industry. And this is a comment from him dating back early this year, January 2019. So what in the world is going on? Well, automotive companies are facing steep competition. From whom? Existing players. You all know some of the remaining names and new entrants. We all know in all industries, the lines are blurring. There are new upstarts. There are new digital entrants. Everything is happening. So what are the automotive companies needing to do? What is keeping the executives awake at night? They need to walk a fine line, balancing time and money. Doesn't every business need to do that? Spent on their existing IT infrastructure and their future technology needs. They may be on the precipice of making some new investment decisions. What are we talking about? Well, of course, artificial intelligence, machine learning, Internet of Things. And they also need to figure out the D word, data, data, data. It's flowing in. It's coming from so many places. What are they going to do with it? How are they going to manage it? How are they going to glean the insights that are going to be actionable for their businesses? So our panel of three experts today, we have a really cool show. Our panel will discuss research that's confirming the top-of-mind IT issues in the automotive industry and the digital and human strategies. Let's be sure to keep people in there because some of us, as Bill Newman on our panel knows, some of us are still driving our own car. The human and digital strategies that automotive companies are evolving to address these issues and these challenges. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Let me tell you who my three panelists are, and then we will ask them to introduce themselves so you can hear in their own words what they do and why we're calling them our experts today. In a moment, you'll be hearing from Rick Booms. He spells his last name B-O-O-M-S. He is at Eventful Conferences. He'll tell you what he does. Judy Cubis is back with us today. Judy is the sponsor of this wonderful series, Future of Cars with Game Changers. She is the global director. Director for Automotive and IMNC at SAP. She'll unpack that for us. And we have Bill Newman. And Bill has a new title, and he's going to tell us. Let me see if I can scroll down here. Bill is the North America Executive Industry Advisor Chief at SAP. So congratulations on the new title, Bill. Rick Booms, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and what is Eventful Conferences? Thanks, Bonnie. Appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm Rick Booms, president of Eventful Conferences. We are a industry-focused conference producer um, that sources all of our material from customers in the space. Uh, we focus in on key trends, key pressures, uh, and, and key areas of need for those customers. And what we do is we pr- source uh, content from them, stories from those customers, in order to produce conferences, in order for those customers to better understand best practices in the industry, understand how other companies are cha- taking on these challenges, and, uh, and really approaching, you know, the pace of change in, in the automotive industry. We've been, you know, focused in on this industry for the past five years, producing mm-hmm. the best practices for automotive conference. Um, we collaborate closely with SAP on a number of fronts uh, for those various customers in order to help them understand key trends, key ideas, and, uh, and to really focus for driving their companies forward to the future. Um, I have been focused throughout my career on digital transformation, uh, spending a number of years in industry, uh, and across all of our events, we, we look to provide great value to these customers. 
Thank you very much. It sounds like it's a really good time to dive into research. It's a good time in the industry. Would you say, just quickly, Richter, would you say that executives are more awake at night now than ever because of all of the impacts on their industry, all of the new trends, all of the new technology options, all of the new entrants who may be encroaching on legacy companies? Do you think this is a time of great worry and concern for the people you, you are interviewing for your research? Absolutely, Bonnie. You know, I think, I think, you know, key trends are certainly keeping them up at night, whether it's, you know, driving their businesses with AI, whether it's, you know, applying automation across all their platforms to autonomous vehicles, um, and then different models, uh, approaching the industry. But it's also the pressures on their, on their companies, whether that's transitioning to digital business, you know, ambiguous data ownership, integration mm-hmm. of critical systems, you know, enabling those back-end systems to really power them to, to take on these entrants. And so, you know, I think the automotive industry is just facing a ton of, ton of competition, a ton of convergence and, uh, is, is, you know, under more pressure than ever. We could have titled the show Sleepless in Detroit, but I'll leave that one on the side. Nobody has to giggle yet. Judy, thank you, Rick. Judy Cubis, welcome back. It's been a while since you've been on the show. I think June was your, your most recent appearance. Judy, refresh us, please. What are you up to at SAP? I know you're very busy these days. Talk to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm still doing marketing for automotive globally, industry marketing, so supporting um the industry experts within the um, within SAP for marketing content, thought leadership, events, and social. So, yeah. And you're getting ready Still for your big fun. best practices event, aren't you? Coming up, is it this month or next month, Judy? Beginning of next month, yeah. Beginning of next month. Yeah. I know I'm usually on board the past couple of years uh, working for on doing interviews with some of your participants. I know I won't be able to do that this year, but I'm, I know it's going to be a very vibrant and very exciting time, and I'm, I'm wishing you all the best at the conference. We can talk about that later. Welcome back, Judy, and also joining us another returning, recurring guest, Bill Newman, William. Bill Newman, got to put the quotes around Bill, North American Executive Industry Advisor, Chief. That's a long title. Bill, welcome back and tell us what's with the new title. What does this all mean? Hey, Bonnie, it's good to be back. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning to everybody else um, on the Thank show, you. Judy and, and Rick. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining along. Well, we're doing a little bit of rebranding in our in our value uh, management area. Some of uh, some of the listeners may know that SAP recently acquired Qualtrics, and as a part of our global rebranding, we are moving from the world of value engineering, focused on specifically what value comes from operational or O data, and we're moving more towards experience management engineering with a focus on not only the operational O data, but the um, experience uh, um, X data um, that provides sentiment to companies and employees to understand not just what is happening, but why it's happening. So as part of that, um, our department's going through a global rebranding, and so now we get longer fancy titles so that we can have and and we're all we're all rebranding globally so it's, um, i love that longer fancy we have a tendency to do this once every few years so Okay. Yes, yes, I I remember it well. Longer, fancier. I at one point I was given the option of making up my own title, so I called myself Director of Global Thought Leadership Media, and my manager loved it. And he said I could keep Love the it. title. So we just said make something Love up, it. but just make it fit. So there you go. Thank you very much. Good to have the three of you on board. Now it's time for the opening quotes. If you're new to Game Changers Radio, you may not know that I ask my guests in advance of the show to send me a quote that's not about the topic, not specifically literally on the topic, something inspirational from a book, a movie, a song, a saying, a person, and then they're going to relate it to the topic in their own words. We get to hear how they think, how creatively they speak. So Rick Booms has sent us a quote from Bruce Lee. Uh, I didn't know that his original name, his, his given name was Lee Yun Fan. He lived from 1940 to 1973. He was a Hong Kong American actor, director, martial artist, martial arts instructor, philosopher. He starred in many movies, and he left us way too soon at the age of 32 in July of 1973. Here's the quote from, from Bruce Lee, and Rick is going to explain why he picked it. The quote is, absorb what is useful, 
discard what is not, add what is uniquely your own. This sounds like words of life, words to live by, Rick. So related to our topic about what's keeping the industry, automotive industry, on its toes and awake. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, Bruce Lee was very much a game changer, uh, Bonnie, and, and particularly in the film industry. And, you know, I love this quote. Um, because, you know, Bruce Lee was all about bringing, bringing martial arts to the mainstream. He really, he really, you know, made, made this a topic that everyone was interested in, but also, you know, globalized, uh, the film industry and, and brought martial arts from the East to the West. And, and so, you know, in terms of how this applies to the topic at hand today, I think, you know, when it comes to absorbing what is useful, I think there are a lot of key trends where people are standardizing in this industry and, and so absorbing what is useful from other market competitors and, and standardizing uh, where they can, you know, and then when it comes to discard what is not, you know, understand what is important to your company or important to you um, and then make it uniquely your own. You know, in this industry with all this change, it is all about how these different these different players can differentiate themselves and create those unique value value propositions for their customers uh, in order to differentiate and, and get themselves ahead for the future. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Uh, I wonder how many executives, or just let's call them leaders. I'm not going to use the word executives anymore. I'm going to try not to. How many leaders in automotive are saying, let's throw out what's not working, let's really craft a branded, unique path for ourselves so we can stand out and we can survive. Do you think they're thinking along these lines, literally, Rick? Yeah, you know, it was interesting to hear um, GM on our keynote stage last year, um, their head of strategy talking about how they're differentiating themselves and disrupting themselves. They're looking at, you know, car sharing models. They're, they're experimenting with autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles. You know, I think, I think everyone in this industry is taking a very hard look at the, the way it's always been done and, and, and constantly reinventing themselves. So absolutely, the leaders out there are, are taking a hard look at every facet of this, of this industry and, and working to change for the future and adapt. Thank you very much, Rick. Great quote. Judy Cubis has sent us a quote from the Dalai Lama. The 14th Dalai Lama is currently, Judy, I don't know if you know this, 84 years old, and he was installed, shall we say, at the age of 15 in 1950. He was born in 39 after the People's Republic of China's incorporation of Tibet. Uh, the Dalai Lamas are important monks of the Gelug School, G-E-L-U-G, the newest school of Tibetan Buddhism, formerly headed by the Gandon Tripas. I don't know what all that means, but it sounds really interesting to me. He has full temporal, which is political duties, as of the age of 15. Interesting. And he is now in, uh, he fled to India in 1959, and he's living there as a refugee, but he is still the current Dalai Lama, number 14. So here's the quote. People take different roads seeking fulfillment and happiness. Just because they're not on your road doesn't mean they've gotten lost. Wow, Judy, that's some quote. Tell me how, I'm not thinking literally in terms of the car driving on or off the road, but tell us how that relates to our topic about IT challenges for automotive today. I think it, it's it's a different way to get it to the same point that Rick was talking about. I think there's a lot of huge opportunities in the automotive business, but um, I think companies are really looking to see what their purpose are, and there's a lot of different routes to get there. And I find it interesting at the moment that a lot of companies are really talking about their purpose. I mean, there was the business roundtable, uh, which GM was part of, again, that talk about, you know, companies need to deliver more than just shareholder value. They need to deliver value for employees and customers. And you're seeing a lot of startups that are really talking about what their purpose is, whether it's, you know, autom- autonomous vehicles, helping the elderly, you know, electrification, sort of being sustainable. So I think there's a lot of different ways that car companies are looking at how they're going to get to their end point during all of this transformation. And I think we're going to see, we are seeing a lot of very interesting approaches to this that are all different and are all valid. 
I, I think the one thing I would just like to say around throwing out the baby with the bathwater is I think still fundamentally making a great vehicle safely at a reasonable price is still going to be um, you know the entry point for whatever business model you've got and I think what we're seeing a lot now in partnerships is, you know, a lot of the established companies where this is, they've built up this expertise over decades, you know, are collaborating with some of the innovative companies. So then you've got the best of both worlds, that manufacturing excellence and tradition Mm -hmm. paired with the innovation to sort of solve some of the problems both mobility and sustainability problems that we're all facing. Thank you very much. Very interesting quote. Thank you, Judy. Bill Newman has said he told us he's feeling Jeffersonian. I don't know whether that means how you're dressed or what you're drinking. We'll find out later, Bill. But Bill sent us a quote from Thomas Jefferson, American statesman, diplomat, lawyer, architect, and a founding father of the U.S. who served as the third president of these United States from 1801 to 1809. He previously served as the second vice president from from 1797 to 1801, and he was the principal author of the Declaration of Independence, and on and on. Quite an interesting man. Here's the quote. If you want something you've never had, you must be willing to do something you've never done. Bill, interesting quote related to our topic, please. Yeah, well, it's um, it's an interesting time for sure. I think it was uh, Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors, said at first that we're going to see more changes in our industry in the next five to 10 years than we have in the past 50. And uh, I think that was perhaps the understatement of the decade, if not potentially the century. So much is changing. Um, vehicle companies, the traditional vehicle manufacturers, you know, they, they have some choices to make in terms of uh, the products they're going to sell, the services they're going to deliver, um, the relationship that they're going to have with their customers. You know, at the end of the day, uh, figuring this out, like like Rick and Judy, you guys were saying earlier, is really a key point. And you're not going to be able to do everything well at once. We've we talk to companies, and in some cases, are are leaders in their field. For example, Google Waymo, who's a you know perhaps one of the, if not the, uh, most prolific robo taxi companies in the world, and they don't make a vehicle. You know, they're the largest mm. consumer of the Fiat Chrysler Pacifica minivan. So it's a very, very interesting time, not only for traditional players, but new starts, trying to figure out where you niche to a particular market space. Do you want to design that that really cool out, outbound, you know, electric truck that I can take, you know, camping and fishing and off-road if I'm Rivian, or if I just want to have the coolest ride ever and drive up the coast in a and a Karma Rivero, you know, and, and possibly lease that weekend as a part of my experience driving up Highway 101 on the California coast. All of mm-hmm. these things are possible now, and, and they were, you know, perhaps just fantastic ideas even a short five to ten years ago. So it's a really great time to be in, in automotive, and uh, I think I think Thomas Jefferson hits it on to to accomplish some of these big ideas and these big goals Companies and, and individuals in the industry are just going to have to think and behave very, very differently. Um, but that's the challenge and the opportunity to, uh, to, 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 be, to, to channel the Dalai Lama here for a moment. That is the challenge and the opportunity. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Good quotes from everybody. Thank you. Rick, now you know how it all works. You're right in the fold. You're right in the mix. Rick Booms, we want to get to know you just a little bit better. We're going to get a little up close and personal, but not two. So number one, I have a question for you. Where are you calling from in the world today? And number two, what's your favorite beverage, just so we can get to know how you think and how you live a little bit? Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks, Bonnie. Um, so calling in from Chicago today, the Windy City, um, rapidly approaching the fall and, and really enjoying, you know, the, the, the fall colors, the leaves, the change of seasons and, uh, you know, and the, the end of the, the summer sports. So uh, baseball coming to a wrap and, and football spinning up. And uh, when it comes to my favorite drink, I'm, a, I'm an old fashioned guy. So I, I prefer an old-fashioned bullet bourbon, and uh, it just reminds me to, to unwind after a long day or it reminds me of, you know, easier, gentler times. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, 
what I'm all about. Easier, gentler times. Ah, if only. I don't think we'll ever see that again. But thank you very much, Rick. Good to have you on and good to get to know you. Judy Cubis, where are you today? I know you're a very busy lady. And what's your favorite drink of choice these days? So I'm in Palo Alto, in our uh, Palo Alto campus, which is which we're very lucky. It's a, it's a really beautiful campus. And sometimes, you know, only a black coffee will do because it's, it's, it's still 7 o'clock in the morning over here. So thinking about anything other than coffee is, is a little too much at the moment. I agree. Judy, is there a favorite coffee in your cup, a favorite blend or brand or flavor? Do you do anything to it or just straight out of the bottle, straight out of, straight out of the coffee maker, the press, however you decide? Yeah, no, I just drink it black. Um, I like the taste of coffee. I I would say there's a coffee shop. Um, I like it very dark, dark roasted, so a lot of flavor. There's some really good coffee shops over here, so um, it's it's nice to go out in the morning and get a, a very strong coffee to set you up for the day. There you go. Well, you sound great. We're glad you got up early to join us. And thank you again for sponsoring the series. We have a couple more this year. We're looking forward to another renewal. Uh, you know, your colleague and Bill's colleague, uh, the, the late, great Larry Stoley, started the series with me, I think, six years ago. And we've been going strong ever since. So we're very, very happy. People want to know about the future of cars, Judy. They're interested because it's part of our lives no matter where we are, whether we own one, whether we're driving one, whether we're in one, whether we're borrowing one, whether we're leasing one, renting one, planning on one. It's still our main mode of transportation in probably most of the world. So this is top of mind for people. Thank you for continuing to sponsor the show and set up great topics, Judy Kubis. And Bill Newman, where are you today? And what have you been drinking recently? Hey, Bonnie. I'm in, uh, I'm in Michigan. So I get, uh, Rick, I get your weather one day later. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty much the same here. We got the... Got the uh, late summer, early fall uh, going on. A couple of the trees are starting to turn, so it's it's quite it's quite beautiful. We'll spend a little time as a family up in northern Michigan this weekend, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some some early early fall splendor. Uh, I'm having coffee. I'm I'm with Judy. It's still pretty early. Uh, most of your listeners know I I enjoy making a, a homemade Irish cream. The recipe's out on our site. We've shared it. Numerous times, Bonnie. I'm not sure that I've actually airdropped some to you over the holidays, but we'll figure out a way to do that. If maybe I would like that. Maybe there's a way to do that with. I would like that. Maybe we can we can harness somebody with a drone to do some some dropping for us. How would that be? Oh, out of the box thinking. Here we go. So there you go. It's it's just coffee. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm in Durham, North Carolina, and we are uh, thankfully waving goodbye to an extremely hot summer. I'd say most days we were hitting between 98 and 101. It was hard to even go outside. You live from air-conditioned house to air-conditioned car, thankfully starting in the garage, and then go to an air-conditioned store or a movie theater or wherever, and you try not to even be out for more than a few minutes. It's been brutally hot. Gardens are suffering everywhere. But here we are in the fall, and we're only reaching up to about 89 degrees on average these days. So, oh, my goodness, the cool days of fall. I'm drinking water. I'm drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug that I brought with me from New York when I moved here. Bill and Judy, well, Bill specifically, been with me for so many years on radio. Uh, they don't allow me near caffeinated beverages on radio show days, Rick, and I think you figured out why. So all I'm allowed to have is water. I have another show. An hour after this one, I'm on the air again with another show. So I, maybe I'll have something a little stronger tonight. So you're listening to us here on the Future of Cars with Game Changers Radio, a really cool series. We're thankful and grateful to our listeners all over the world who've embraced this series for so many years. And today we're talking about the automotive industry challenges. What is top of mind in the realm of IT? All of the changes going in automotive, all of the thought leadership that has to happen to keep companies afloat and alive. What is happening in innovation? What is happening in new entry?
entrance into the market? What is happening with digitalizing or digitizing businesses? What's happening with millennials and their new car buying habits, with autonomous vehicles, with electric cars, with power grids, with Internet of Things, with sensors, with machine learning? So much is on the mind of executives. We wonder how they sleep at all at night. That's what we're trying to find out. What are the top IT trends and challenges in the industry? We're going to take a quick break, just a brief one, and when we come back, we'll start the roundtable in earnest with Rick Booms at eventful conferences. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SAP is excited to be a co-innovator with the automotive industry as we help automotive and related companies digitally transform their entire industry and disrupt their existing business models. The Future of Cars with Game Changers brings you insights from the people in the driver's seat who are making this happen. We'll delve into industry challenges and solutions that support ecosystem industries, all to help you succeed in transforming your business and business networks for success in the new digital networked age. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top technology and business strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the automotive industry is shaping the future of change for all of us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Cars with Game Changers. Absolutely. We're here today with Rick Booms at Eventful Conferences, Judy Cubis, and Bill Newman at SAP, and I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Here we go. We're talking about automotive challenges and pressures and issues on the industry, and we're talking specifically about top-of-mind IT, and Rick Booms is going to start off the roundtable. Here's what Rick told me before the show. Everybody listen up. This is really, really important because it involves all of you. So the topic is ambiguous data ownership and management, and the report Rick sent me. Here's a little bit of a, a snippet of information from the report. The automotive industry industry has plenty of data, but it's often not clear who owns and manages it within an organization. Rick, please expand us and tell us more. This is fascinating. Yeah, you know, Bonnie, I think this is a topic that not a lot of folks are really talking about. Obviously, there's there's the trendier topics of AI and machine learning and, and all the, the various different entr- entrants into this industry, but I think what a lot of folks aren't talking about is the amount of data that is now being generated just by a single automobile and then how that data is then integrated throughout an entire, um, you know, landscape in order to draw the right insights and keep, keep these companies relevant. But, you know, the key is that people need to own that data and really understand how to organize it, flow it through their systems in order to drive the right sort of insights so that they can differentiate themselves and make a difference for the future. And, and, you know, what we uncovered in our research is, you know, many of the folks that are charged with managing these systems and integrating them um, don't have a – there isn't someone within these companies that has an eye on that end-to-end data flow, data structure. Um, and even a key quote that we received from one of our attendants was, you know, nobody wants to own the data, but everyone wants to report on it, point fingers at each other, you know, and so you can start to hear that frustration, those challenges from, from many of our respondents from our roundtables and from our research, um, whereby they, they don't feel that there is a, a strong, strong path for the data, a strong understanding of how to organize it, how to focus, and ultimately how to drive the right insights out of it in order for the company to differentiate itself for the future. Very interesting. Yes, it's there. They want it. They want to love it. They want to take credit for it. But I don't know. It's not mine. Judy Cubis, chime <laughs> in here. Fascinating topic. What's your perspective, Judy? Agree or disagree with Rick? I, I mean, I thought it was really interesting that nobody wanted to own the data because I, I saw, um, I mean, going forward, the amount of data that's coming 
outs of cars and from the ecosystem, you know, the routes people are taking, what they're buying, how they are sharing data, the, the insights that you can get from that data and the knowledge that you can share. I was listening to an auto line um, podcast and they were saying that car sharing data from rides is helping casinos figure out if they have the right services. So there's all sorts of correlating insights for different organizations that can be gleaned from this data. So I found it really interesting that nobody wants to own it because I think, or, you know, the respondents in this survey, nobody wants to own the data because I think this is where some of the most interesting innovations and opportunities is going to be gleaned. You know, we, we've talked a lot about customer experience. Bill touched on that earlier. But, you know, knowing what people are actually doing and what they want, there's going to be a huge amount of power and insights in that that companies can use, not only for themselves, but sell and help their partners and their ecosystem. But I think, it, as always, we've um, being in the IT world for the number of years that I have, it's always the fundamentals that are so important and yet never get the attention, you know, the integration, the data quality, who owns mm -hmm. the process, making sure that it, it's accurate and available to everybody. And I would imagine that there's also a human element to this. We, we talk about um, in other places in the survey from the, the human element that data scientists and having the right skills in the company to actually use this data. There's such fierce competition for those sorts of skills with um, technology companies and other companies. I would imagine that getting the right quality of people is, is a challenge in general for a lot of automotive companies. Interesting. Bill Newman, chime in, please. What do you think? Well, 100% uh, agreed, and um, I think that they're regarding data access um, and use. You know, we've we've been in some car makers. Um, again, I'll return to General Motors because they were one of the early pioneers with their OnStar system. We've been able to harvest as a part of you know, you buy a vehicle, you take it home. That vehicle then now can communicate with the brand manufacturer and and be able to share vehicle diagnostic information back and forth. And we, we've allowed that as a part of our, I don't know, owner's agreement, our, our user license agreement, I guess, for the car. As, as we move into the future and we begin to onboard, you know, services, which we've stated on this program many times that McKinsey mm -hmm. just views as a, a $3 trillion market by 2030, that, that goes to the next level in terms of not only what what information is being shared, not just inside the vehicle, so now suppliers have a say in terms of what their component information, their components share as a part of a broader vehicle structure, but also as a part of the services that the consumers are using, whether it's just through 4G, 5G, through the car, um, other short-distance broadband communications, and maybe a... Um, smart cities environment, um, and also, you know, being just on, you know, if I'm in, the, if I'm not driving and I'm making an Amazon purchase or I'm, I'm streaming Spotify, you know, that type of information does flow through the vehicle if I'm using mm -hmm. that as, as an internet channel. Um, we have this little thing now called General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, mm -hmm. Um, it's yep. kind of important, and auto companies are beginning to take a step back and saying, well, maybe we need a GDPR for the vehicle. Um, I sit on the Mobility Technology Council with um, the uh, Automotive Aftermarket Suppliers Association. They were just in Washington, D.C. during the recent recess um, talking about vehicle data access and what does it mean, and, you know, essentially this whole idea of GDPR for a car from a supplier's perspective, OEMs have a different perspective. Um, telco companies have a different perspective. So it's the beginning of a very long conversation. And in the meantime, um, I think it's going to be the golden rule. Whoever um, owns the, the, the vehicle and the vehicle rights will continue to manage that flow of information. But completely agree with Rick and Judy that um, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of regulatory and there's a lot of um, social thinking that needs to go around this, just, just as similarly to if we're going to allow autonomous vehicles to drive big trucks down I-80 in the middle of North America, you know, without anyone sitting in the, in the cab. I mean, that's, that's a real social conversation we need to have right now. Thank you, Bill. Very interesting you brought up GDPR. Uh, I'd love to go around the table before we move on. I have some notes here from Judy I want to talk about next. But let's see what Rick Boom says. Rick, I know you manage some of this research. But what do you think about a, a Data Protection Privacy Act or legislation? What country would legislate it? Who would enact it? How long would it take? Would it really protect those of us in the car? Or would it protect the car's systems? Would it protect the manufacturers, the OEMs, whoever put in the the, the Internet system, the Wi-Fi in the car? Rick, what's your thought? I think it's fascinating. What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. And, and you know, Bonnie, that question, I think, is being tackled, one, from, you know, a marketing and, and then PII perspective right now. And it's, of course, the Europeans that are, are leading the way there. Um, you know, in the U.S. here, we're still, you know, fairly wide open and not, not well regulated in those in those aspects. There are There is some legislation in place, but... You know, it's interesting insurance companies today tracking, you know, drivers and, and, you know, young kids on, you know, how they, how they drive, you know, alerting parents, whether there were rapid accelerations or rapid brakes. Um, it certainly brings a lot of, you know, ethical questions into play. You know, what is personal and, and germane to, to the actual individuals? Um, and then what repercussions come for that? And then what, what is, you know, what is commonplace and, and what is needed for companies to innovate in order to act in the best interest of, of the broader country and, and the broader ecosystem. And so, you know, our, our research doesn't specifically touch on, you know, the GDPR aspects uh, of data. More it's around, you know, data ownership when it comes to the systems um, internally at companies and how that data flows system to system. But, you know, I think in this space, Data is going to be a huge, huge um, playing ground, and I think Bill, you know, correctly introduced a lot of the key trends that are that are at our play here. Thank you very much, Judy Cubis. Please join us. Thoughts? What do you think? Uh, I love GDPR. Um, yes, <laughs> don't we all? I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I yes, it's it's, uh, it's. I think it's really important. I mean, I think. Um, you know, how companies and people get access to data. I think there's still a lot of thinking to be done on it. You know, I think there's got to be a balance. I think Rick touched on the differences um, between different regions. And also, I think there's differences between generations. You know, what we expect from, what the older generations expect from privacy versus a lot of the People who, a lot of the younger generations who've been brought up, you know, with no real concept of privacy yet. Maybe that will hit them as they get older. So I think they'll, I think as the next generation becomes older, it'll be interesting to see if they Mm -hmm. still are as willing to share all of their data as they are now. So I think that's something to be watched. The other area related to data, which I think is going to be particularly interesting, is security, especially with autonomous and connected, you know, mm-hmm. how making sure that that information can't be hacked, especially from both from a privacy perspective and from a safety perspective. So I think there's, there's a lot of different areas as we move into these connected card, shared information worlds, autonomous vehicles that will need that the thinking hasn't the thinking and the technology and the regulations are still evolving. Thank you very much. Interesting around the table there. Judy, I'm going to stick with you for a minute. I'm looking at your notes, and let's broaden away from just the data. Let's look at some more of the IT trends and <clears throat> excuse me, concerns among automotive leaders. I'm not going to say execs again. You say optimizing and automiza- automation come to be top of mind. How to use RPA, that's known in the industry, the shorthand for robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, machine learning, helping companies with operational activities, 
industries like finance, factories, customer support, for, forecasting, and HR, and free, freeing up time so they could focus on new business models. Judy, how pervasive is this? Let's talk. What's your point of view on RPA, AI, ML, all the good alphabet soup in automotive coming down the pike? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mentioned that at the beginning. I think still manufacturing excellence, de- delivering a safe vehicle in volume at um, optimum cost is still, you know, one of the things that the automotive industry probably doesn't get enough credit for. They do it extremely well, but there's always ways to optimize an automation. And I think that uh, I think that there's a lot of companies um, looking at how they can put in RPA, you know, on their to automate some of their more um, operational activities, especially in the finance, the cash application, uh, entering invoices, how they can use artificial intelligence, things like, you know, um, to do matching for cash application, to to use machine learning to improve resume matching. So I think there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of opportunities to continue to optimize and automate, and they, they're having to balance between improving the systems that they're using now as well as investing in the new technologies of the future. And a lot of these technologies as well, a lot of the value is that it does free up time so that the employees can really do different types of activities and whether that's collaborating in a different way, breaking down silos across the different organizations to reduce the innovation time. I think that this is still an ongoing area of opportunity across um, across the automotive industry. And there's a lot of um, presentations that we're going to see at the Best Practices Conference that that are really covering some of these topics as far as how other automotive industries, GM is going to be talking about a lot of their finance implementations. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a great uh, conference to see how automotive companies are really addressing some of these issues. Thank you very much. Fascinating technology. Bill Newman, join us. Agree, disagree? Perspective on what Judy just shared, please. Oh, well, full full pedal acceleration. I mean, Hod Lipson from Columbia University, he, he coined the expression, I think, that AI is going to eat software. And it was kind of the heart of a blog that I did recently where we kind of take a deeper look into AI and what that means and, you know, not just, you know, all the fear tactics from Hollywood around Skynet and the end of the world as we know it. Terminator style and all of that stuff. I mean, AI will eventually create AI, and we have to figure out a safe way to do that. But today, as Judy was describing, we're already working in a situation where we're day-to-day using AI, and we might not even be aware of it. I mean, not many not many teenagers who are getting their driver's license right now, and Bonnie, we've talked about this, actually mm-hmm. have to parallel park because the car does it for them now through the different types of uh, ADOS systems that are available um, on board. And I think the other um, component to that is, is that, you know, there are going to be some things that are, there are going to be some professions that probably in the next 10 to 15 years are simply going to go away. I mean, if you go back to the RPA example and some of the things that um, we're seeing a number of auto companies do, let's take finance as an example, you're going to uh, you're going to see less time doing basic accounting work, more time doing higher valued financial analysis. Again, echoing some of Judy's uh, thoughts and opinions on this, but it also means that probably in the future, getting an accounting degree isn't going to make a whole lot of sense anymore. Maybe getting a finance degree will, but maybe not getting an accounting degree. Um, I really do believe that we're going to see driverless commercial vehicles, particularly for long haul, sooner on a on a more um, adopted scale um, than, than we will um, uh, perhaps for the, for the driverless uh, uh, passenger vehicles, just simply because the cost structure in, in the trucking and transportation 
um, industry is just so heavily skewed to the human that's sitting in the cab. So we have all the technology right now to do this and a lot more. I mean, there will be, there, we're already doing robo-surgery, we're doing robo-farming, um, there's talk of doing uh, robo-illustrations and graphic design, which is really going to disrupt some of the more creative um, elements of our workforce. But nevertheless, you know, we're in that age where we have all of this all of this power and all of this knowledge, and uh, now we just, again, have to return to the human aspect of it and what socially we'll, we'll be interested to, to look at. And I'll, I'll be very interested, uh, as Judy points out, to hear some of our speakers in the conference next month. should be great. It, it's going to be great. I know it's uh, getting exciting year year by year. Rick Booms, any comments on RPA on Bill's prediction? Even though we're not in the crystal ball predictions round yet, Bill predicting driverless long haul trucks coming to highways near us soon. What do you think, Rick? Anything in your research recently? Yeah, I think um, you know when it when it comes to driverless tech, that is certainly one of the key trends, and we're really looking forward to uh, having Tom Raftery on our keynote stage. He's going to talk about, you know, the future of transportation and how how we're optimizing for the people, planet, and profit, and, you know, that's just one of the key trends coming to play here, um, which will completely affect not only, you know, everybody in the country, but, you know, many of our highways uh, across the board. So, um there are many insights coming to bear that from our research, um, and we've sourced a number of speakers from not only SAP, but also, you know, key areas of expertise, um, speaking around AI, ML, and, and how, how the company, how companies in the U.S. are, are, and, and globally are approaching those trends, integrating them into not only their automobiles, uh, as Bill mentioned by, uh, you know, parallel parking, um, but also, you know, navigating traffic on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, deploying the right the right sort of safety features at the right times, and and so, you know, we're we're really looking forward to the the event and, and to sharing a lot of those insights and to seeing our speakers really speaking more in depth on on how those are coming to bear. It's a fascinating time for the industry for sure. Bill Newman, I think we have time for one more topic here. We're technically in the crystal ball round, but let me just uh, pick up one here. Well, I don't know if we want to get into tariff disruptions. Maybe we won't mention countries. But you say industry shifts demand greater agility of the supply chain. Bill, you want to quickly give us an overview, and then, Rick, you can get ready for your prediction because I'm going to come to you very quickly. Bill, what about this globalization and connectivity of the supply chain in automotive, please? Well, I think that anybody who's had to do any any sorts of any sourcing of anything, literally, mm-hmm. has had to deal with either our neighbors here in the U.S., China, or Canada, and Mexico, or China, have really had to rethink where things are coming from. What's the flow? What's the additive cost? We actually uh, work with a company that was evaluating a plant in Mexico, and and because of some of the shifting in the policies and in some of the trade structures. Uh, had to, and I believe actually did, uh, replace a, a, a product into that uh, plant uh, just simply because the, the math and the economics of what they were building, uh, originally intending to build there, just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, companies were working with a lot of companies that had to shift a lot of their uh, inbound product content from China to, to places like uh, Taiwan and Vietnam, and in a very, very rapid fashion. So I guess to net out the point uh, quickly is is that you need to be able to do that. Um, we talk about digitally, but also with a high amount of intelligence. So just because you can make a shift quickly doesn't mean that it's the right shift you should make quickly. And having that type of foresight leveraging at some of the technologies that we've talked about. And for those who've been able to do that, some of the recent supply chain complications haven't been as high, highly impactful. So uh, bravo to those uh, industry leaders. Thank you very much. Rick Booms, eventful conferences. We're ready for you. 60 seconds. We're going to keep it really tight so we fit everybody in here. What do you predict will come, oh, I hate to say it, but down the pike or up the road or <laughs> over there somewhere <laughs> between now and 2025, Rick, from your vantage point at eventful conferences and all of the wonderful research you're doing in automotive, what do you think is going to change? Talk to me. 60 seconds. Go. Yeah, one of the best predictions I think I've heard uh, in this space, and it's as a result of AI, ML, and, and autonomous vehicles, is kids under the age of five 
um, will no longer have a will not need a driver's license by the time they reach driving age. Um, mm. Because of all this innovation, all the change and the pace of change, kids you know in the that are that are growing up today will never need to think about how to parallel park. Although, as, as Bill correctly predicted, that's that's already come and gone. Um, and more more generally, you know, need to think about driving hours down the road or driving day to day. They will just simply hop in a car and go. Interesting. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We'll just leave that one alone. Four minutes to close. Judy Cuba, <laughs> 60 seconds. They're all yours. What do you think? Hi. I actually think that the, there's a lot of work. I was just thinking of that quote about, um, you know, 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration, that all of these technologies are here. I mean, Bill was talking about the digital supply chain. To get all of these technologies implemented on the factory floor or retrofitted, I mean, it's going to take a lot of work. So I think there's a lot of work ahead of the industry to take advantage of everything across the whole digital supply chain. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, which companies are successful at this and have the discipline to execute and which ones struggle. Thank you very much, Bill Newman. I s- oh, Bill, you could have 90 seconds because they were so concise. Mr. Newman, what do you think? Well, Bonnie, I'm going to go there. I'm going to I'm going to talk about where where Rick left off and the kids under yep. five who aren't driving. But I'm going to even challenge that sooner than that, the backseat passenger experience could very well be more profitable and more important to the overall vehicle than the front seat driver experience. And what I mean by that is is that we already have suppliers doing crazy things like building chiropractic enhanced massage therapy chairs for passengers in vehicles and you can listen to your spa music on Spotify and all of that. And those are all value added (laughs) services, right? Well, if you put in screens and, and all sorts of things, you know, who drives and is that really what you're designing the vehicle for? And Bonnie, I know you and I both like to drive, but but here's the cold, hard fact. (laughs) No, no, no. Spare me. Go ahead. Hit me, Bill. No, don't do it. (laughs) It may not be that the vehicle is designed for a driver, at least a large percentage of the overall fleet in the next 20 years. I'm very sorry, Bonnie, because... Well, Bill, I'm not giving up my Z... I'm not giving up my Z anytime soon, so I'm not taking any chances. As long as there's a gas pump somewhere, and as long as I can get the tires rotated every couple of years. I love doing 80 here, Bill, on a beautiful sunny day on 40 and 540 in the Raleigh-Durham-Cary area. It's a pure delight. Although it was too hot to put the top down on the convertible more than once or twice this summer. It's just brutal. Who wants the heat on your red hair flaming in the sunshine at 101 degrees? No, no, no. Spare me. I want to thank the three of you. It's certainly been an interesting ride. Rick Boom, so glad you could join us. Pleasure to get to know you. Judy, thank you for sponsoring this series. Looking forward to another year. We'll work together to plan a terrific year for 2020 here on Future of Cars with Game Changers. And Bill Newman, keep that Irish cream going, and you're always welcome to come on the show. And a shout-out to Miranda. Miranda Labate, who used to be working with Judy, who did so many wonderful shows this year. We've got a couple more shows yeah. for the end of the year coming up. So here we go. I it's time to say goodbye. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Get going. Get driving. Get out and be a game changer today. Just like Rick Booms at eventful conferences. Just like Judy Cubis at SAP. Just like Bill Newman at SAP. And I will give you a quick heads up that in one hour at 12 noon Eastern, I'll be back with a new episode of Financial Excellence with Game Changers talking about fraud. How to protect your organization from threats. Important topic. You don't want to miss it. Signing off. We'll see you in an hour. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.